Hey, what's up, guys? On this episode of Drugs and Stuff, we talk about all things GHB. Then we've got a bunch of listener questions. I'm putting timestamps down below in case you're one of those guys that wants to skip around. HCG for recovering natural test. When should you add that into your cycle? What are the issues with using finasteride with nandrolone? Do you need to be fat in order to grow muscle? Combining low doses of Winstrel and Anivart instead of just taking more of one of those compounds. Managing gear around multiple contests and a bunch more, guys. If you enjoy the show, then do us a favor. Hit the like button. Leave us a comment. And if if you haven't subscribed, we'd love to have you along because we have several podcasts coming out each week, tons of bodybuilding education that you could learn from and apply to your own training. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. We've got links to that down below. And if you use our code think you'll get some additional savings on high quality third party tested badass supplements. And if you wanted to support our programming, you can also do so through Patreon. We appreciate all of our Patreon people. You guys help to make this happen. So thank you for that. All right, guys, let's get to the program. I'm going to warn you guys right now, Dave, well, Dave seems like he's in a better mood this week, which is rare, uh, but his internet connection is uh, uh, very um, shite, is the Unstable. word. Unstable, yeah, so shite. what we've done is to, to save our viewers from my ugly mug, we've just blurred my imagery, so you can't see me properly now, you can just hear me. It's like a filter. See, we think of you, we don't, yeah, it's so you can eat food and watch the podcast at the same time without feeling sick. Yeah, we. Anyway, <laughs> I, I am, I am, I'm a little bit grumpy. Are you? Yeah. Why? Why are you so upset, Dave? Because, well, as most people know, both myself uh, and Scott coach, uh, and I've had a disproportionate number of time wasters just recently. Oh, oh. Uh, so, you know, yeah, yeah, they're all for it and everything else. And I suppose maybe full to myself, but I don't actually charge people until I've got the plans ready because I don't like people having paid me and then me chasing my ass to get plans done for them. Yeah, yeah. So I do the plans first and then they pay me, then I release the plans. So Wait, you, you were obviously telling me you built plans for people that didn't pay you? Basically, yeah. I mean, that's my own fault because of how I approach it. But so if anyone anyone wants some coaching i've got a few slots at the moment because <laughs> you've got some plans made too not that not that you would yeah. give them the same plan but hey we got a well i don't know we got away with it just change the name you know if, like that. if you guys <laughs> do want to reach out to coat for you know coaching dave and i both coach obviously you can uh you can go down i always put that stuff down in the show notes uh on how to reach out to us we did get a lot I never of read the show notes. we got a lot of feedback dave about christmas cabbage this past week why is it? My mom, my mom asked me. She was like, "What is this Christmas cabbage thing? What is that all about?" And I was like, "It's I, nothing. I don't know. We have nothing to do with it. He's his own guy." And so they. Yeah, can you can you can you imagine in twenty years' time there being a, you know a, a retrospective talk and someone going, "Yes, the legend of Christmas cabbage." <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> Look at this. I'm putting all these comments up uh, about Christmas cabbage. Like, literally, it's nonstop. These people are, they're the Christmas cabbage fans. I'm telling you, Dave, they're kind of insane. Uh, well, um, he does need to get a bit more active. He's been a lazy shit, haven't you, you big green turd? Um, but uh, he's, uh, I don't know what he's up to. He seems to be proposing himself for something. I'm, I'm keeping quiet. Okay. Well, I'd like to also... Maybe he's going to don a Scott costume. <laughs> and take over. He could take over for me. I'm going to shout out uh, this rain energy drink because I had to get up real early this morning, and this is what's going to keep me going through the show. If there's any... Um, like, <laughs> Why are you promoting rain, for God's sake, from I'm, Monster? I'm trying to get a, a sponsorship right now, okay? <laughs> <That's what I'm... laughs> oh, God. We've got GHB for you guys. Like, we don't actually have GHB for you guys. Yeah, I was going to say, be careful how you word that one. <laughs> but we are going to talk about GHB today. We actually had a suggestion uh, from one of our listeners, viewers, that uh, that we discussed GHB. So we figured we'd make that our topic today. And we have a bunch of listener questions. You guys are awesome, by the way. Uh, the Cabbage Heads, the Cabbage Patch, uh, commented the hell out of the last episode. Dave, we got like 2,500 views in the first 18 hours, which blows my mind, really? by the way. 
Is that a record? Uh, no, it's not. But that's like our average now. Like, I think it's I the cabbage. That was a record for us. Okay. It's close. It's close. But uh, mm-hmm. it's thanks to everybody who's been liking, commenting. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Of course, subscribe uh, because we put this show out all the time. It helps to boost us up. Plus, if we if we have you guys subscribing, then other people are like, oh, these guys actually uh, aren't terrible. Uh, I'll subscribe well, that's too. that's a nice facade. <laughs> but it's a nice facade. It makes us look better, you know. Uh, we are terrible. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so GHB. Are we talking about GHB? No, we're not. I don't know. Are we? We've discussed it a little bit in the past. Um, I have a, a GHB horror story that I will share with you later. Uh, but first, I want to I want to learn about it because I don't know a lot about it. Did Did someone do bad things to you, Scott? Uh, no, no. Actually, somebody <laughs> did bad things to themselves. Uh, oh, as a result of taking um, GHB. GHB, gamma-hydroxybutate, or butyric acid, is its full name, if you want to be really technical. Guess when this shit was first discovered and sort of invented, etc. Well, I did, like, watch some YouTube and video. I looked at some shit this morning. Uh, So I have an answer to that. It was, like, the 1860s? 1874. Okay, I was close. That's old, dude. That's, like, cowboy times. Guys are on GHB. Yeah. Um, and then it sort of really came into its own in the 60s. In the 1960s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, it didn't really do much till then, uh, but it was actually released in 1990 as a supplement. Dude, it used to be at GNC, which is like a big chain here uh, in the mall. You could go in to, to, to get yeah, GHB it was, from the mall. It was, it was pushed as an alternative to Altryptophan. Oh, no kidding. To help you sleep. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, I mean, I, it, GHP got quite popular in the UK, late 90s, early two, uh, early thousands. Um, and over here then, it hadn't particularly hit the party scene. It hadn't particularly hit the drug scene. Um, so uh, it was really just bodybuilders that were using it. Um, and it was, it was pushed as a, a sleep aid that would put you into deep sleep. And it does. I mean, that's that's what it does. It puts you into um, slow wave sleep, as they technically call it, which okay. is non REM. Um, it's used med- medically as an anesthetic, um, and it's a it's a central nervous system depressant. But uh, now, when you when you read about G- GHB now, and I think most modern versions of GHB are particularly odorless and particularly tasteless, and, and part of that is because of its transition into use as a date rate drug and as a use as a drug to, to, to sort of help people become uh, suggestible and, and take advantage of them. Um, but back in those days, it was like drinking salt water. I mean, uh, and a sodium salt, there is a sodium salt version of it. And, and there is a, uh, lot of, a lot of salt from what I understand, like sodium levels will go up pretty high when you use the yeah. homemade version, especially. Yeah, it, it's, it became Class B in the UK, which obviously meant it was a more serious offence. And that, that was off the back of it being used as a date rate drug and, and, and also for robbery as well, because your spikes when with GHB, they'll become very, very suggestible. Huh. And you can, literally, you can literally talk somebody into going and empty their bank account for the cash machine and, and they won't remember them doing it the next morning. They'll forget all about it. And that's... One of its negatives is its impact on short-term memory. Um, so that was one of the, the negatives that they found about it was um, cognitive function and short-term memory in, in problems, um, and that's both long-term and short-term usage. Uh, it's a precursor to GABA. Uh, it does have a mild interaction with the GABA receptor, but it mainly actually it interacts with its own receptor, it's a GHB receptor in the brain. Um, and it's a precursor to glutamine and glycine. Um, glycine, sorry. Um, and that's really about as much as I know. Um, I know it affects the way we um, process alcohol. So, so what it does, it slows that down. So ADP one, ADP two. 
um, are affected. They don't metabolize alcohol at the same rate, and as a result, alcohol stays in your system for longer, so your normal drinking rate becomes elevated because you're not processed. So we, we process a unit of alcohol per, per hour. That's that's how our bodies work, and it's, we're fairly union run at that. It, it doesn't change much. There'll be – we see an increase – well, particularly in women post-menopause, they cope with alcohol much better than men do. Huh. Um, but, um, yeah, never get into a drinking comp with your granny. She'll drink you under the fucking table. Uh, but um, GHB affects this. So where we would normally be processing alcohol and then excreting it, turn it into acetic acid or, or vinegar, and then we'd be pissing it out and everything else, we don't. So the backup of alcohol in the bloodstream happens much, much quicker. Yeah. As a result... Um, if you drank, say, over eight hours, it would be like you drank that all at once. Oh, wow. In how it stockpiles in your body, because your body's not processing it. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah, so so if we if we work on the basis of, you know, uh, two units of alcohol per pint, you have 10 pints, that's 20 units of alcohol. In your eight hours of drinking, your body will have processed eight of those units. So you'll only have 20 units of, you'll only have 12 units of alcohol currently active in your body. Yeah. With GHB in there, you'll have 20 units of alcohol currently active in your body. So you're going to get smashed, basically. Well, one of the biggest causes associated with death with GHB is alcohol interruption of, of our ability to breathe. Huh, okay. So because ethanol is such a small molecule, when it goes into the brain, it gets in everywhere. Um and a lot of our molecules, like GABA is designed to fit a GABA receptor. Estrogen is designed to fit an estrogen receptor. And in the synapses in the brain, where transport proteins move these items across from one side to the other, the alcohol gets in the middle and actually blocks the signals from passing across the synapse. As a result, we start to struggle with our bodily functions. Yeah. So alcohol starts from the outside of the brain and works in. Um, and the outside areas is what we call the playground, which is like your cognitive, you know, your speech and your balance and inhibition and that sort of stuff. But as it soaks in deeper and deeper into the brain, it starts to go towards the brain stem or the reptilian brain. Mm. And that's where all our autonomous functions based. When alcohol gets in there, it starts to disrupt our ability to control, regulate blood pressure, mm. heart rate, and to breathe. And literally, it just switches off. The signals don't get across that say breathe in and breathe out. Yeah, and you stop breathing. That's that's alcohol induced, you know, death. Yeah, um, and because you get this, you don't have this clearance rate of alcohol working as it should. You get a much bigger buildup, so you get much more alcohol in your brain than you would normally do from the same amount of drinking, and as a result, things go wrong. That makes and sense. It's a similar thing in regards to when taking with recreational drugs as well. If you remember, River Phoenix died of uh, cocaine overdose. Was it cocaine? I know it was. It was, he, it was cocaine mixed with GHB. Oh, oh, okay. I believe so. Anyway, so uh, as a result, his body couldn't process cocaine and metabolize it at its normal rate. Therefore, he had much more cocaine in his system than he would normally be used to. Huh. Okay, so I've got a couple little factoids to add in here too. Uh, you can correct me if any of this doesn't sound right to you, but the 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 mild bit of research I have to add is that a, a low dose would be considered a 0.5 to 1.5 grams. When you get above that, more like the 1.5 to 2.5 grams, that's where the effects start becoming evident to other people, where they're like, oh, that dude's on something. And when you get above that, that's where things can start to get more serious. We're looking at side effects like euphoria at the low end to sedation at the high end, uh, lower heart rate, lower respiration, nausea, dizzy, dizziness, loss of memory. I mean, it sounds fucking awesome. I think we should do a show. On <laughs> uh, um, it can take yeah, like 20 it's... minutes to kick in and half-life can be anywhere from 30 minutes to, it says an hour and a half. So it sounds like you need to, to dose it more regularly. Like you don't just take it once and then you're done is what it sounds like. When you used to take it for bodybuilding, you, you, we didn't have an idea of what dose we were taking. So we'd get a bowl with a cap already yeah. pre-mixed up as a liquid, and you would take one or two capfuls. Yeah. And you, you'd, you'd usually drop a cap backwards and then spend five minutes going, uh. um, and then you would probably be asleep within 15 minutes. 
Oh, wow. Okay. And I reckon doting back then would have been two, three gram sort of range. (laughs) The problem, now that was fine if you had four, five, six hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. But if you had to get up within a couple of hours, you were fucked. (laughs) 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 Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) You like that? Um, you, 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 I mean, I remember obviously working, a, being a doorman, working security, training, wanted to grab a couple of, you know, a few hours of proper deep sleep. So I, I remember necking some GHB and then a lot of liver had to wake me up to go to work on the doors and fuck me. It must've been about three hours before I was actually conscious of what I was doing. Oh God. I was fucked. I was bollocksed. Um, yeah, I mean the, the. Euphoria and stuff is why it got the name as Liquid Ecstasy. Uh, oh. um, so it's, it's known as Liquid Ecstasy because at low doses it creates a euphoric uh, happiness, but as the dose goes up, it becomes more sedative. Definitely. How about with repeated use, how is the tolerance with it? I think the tolerance is reasonable, but I do believe it is habit forming. I, I do believe there is an element of addiction. Mm. Um uh, and people will start to struggle. Um, I'm not sure if that's anything down to do with desensitization of receptors or if that's to do... I mean, like, when you look at ecstasy, ecstasy deplete, depletes uh, serotonin stores. So I don't know with GHB if it is a depletion of stuff like GABA stores or if it's just just a desensitization of the, the, the receptors that it's involved with. And like I say, it does it is an agonist of the GABA receptor, but it's it's not a strong agonist. It's a mild agonist. It, it, it mainly attaches to its own receptor. Okay. Now, what about uh, I, I, from what I researched, GDL is now kind of a, a a more popular replacement for GHB. What is what does GBL do? I haven't got a fucking clue. I'll be honest with you. You. Um, I really only know about the old school shit. Okay, um, I got an answer. I was trying to set you up, Dave. I was trying to set you up. You're a twat. No, and set you up as in give you something to talk about. I was like doing an interview thing there. That was a. That was like my skilled. Uh, I had the answer, which GBL, from what I understand, obviously, once again, I don't have personal experience with the stuff. It basically converts to GHB once you once you take it. So it was kind of like almost like a pro hormone version of GHB, GHB. But basically the exact same thing. I I think as GHB classification has increased in most countries because of its association with criminal activity and rape and theft and things like that. Yeah. That people have looked at creating like precursor versions of it so that it skirts around legislation. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, in the same way as a pro hormone is, is in most places not regarded, for, for a long time in a lot of places, was regarded as not being a steroid. Yeah. Um, and so therefore, escape steroid regulation. Uh, I think that's probably where the GBL side comes from. But I do. I do remember people make it and they used to make it and bottle it and then they wanted rid of it as fast as they could. They did not want to be sitting on it. Oh, God, no. Because I, I, I have to imagine, but, yeah, with it being classified and looked at mm-hmm. as like a date rape compound, I mm-hmm. I imagine you'd be looked at very sorely. Although I do see um, it's being used in the party scene quite a lot at this point with the rave. Yeah, it's the kids it's, nowadays. The kids. Yeah, it is the kids. <laughs> Down with the kids. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's still used, and it's also used in the same format as it, it's used commonly for spiking, and not always for for you know for criminal or, or nasty intent. Just sometimes, you know, we'll get my mate a bit pissed a bit quicker by dropping a bit in his beer. Uh, and, and at the same time, it was popular with students because they could go out and get pissed on two beers. Yeah. Hey, get off your fucking phone. I'm doing research to see if you can purchase it, Dave. Uh, well, you, I don't, over here you can't legally. Anyway, definitely not. Well, here's but the it, thing. It's still I, a, I, it's I'm still seeing a prescription it, drug. GB, uh, GHB is. Now, GBL, I believe, I think I found it on Amazon, honestly. It's sold as a cleaner. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Let me just check something. Let's see... Um, 
Actually, I was texting mm-hmm. my friend. I was bored. Yeah, I was saying you were fucking working. Uh, I was bored talking to you. I forgot we were on the podcast for a minute. Uh, so I started just talking to my friends. Is that okay? I'm, I'm bored. To, I'm bored talking to my fucking self, mate. So. Do we have to keep doing this show? Can we just? Wait. No. Is there any point? I'm really? I I'm mean, kidding. I think we've made it now. We've got two and a half thousand viewers. We're done, aren't we? We're done. That's it. No, I I do see it. Yeah. Okay. I'm for sure here. <laughs> you could buy it. You could buy it on Facebook even. GBL. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cleaner, GHB, and GBL, liquid 99.9%. Uh, then they give you a phone number to basically contact them. Yeah, uh, this well, shit is all over still, the place. That's it, guys. GHB itself. You don't want to take this stuff. Bad news. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Is... Um... It would appear that it's still actually available as a medication. Okay, so I read that it is used for narcolepsy, which doesn't, I don't quite understand. No, I don't understand that either. It was used, I've read that as well, it was used in the treatment of alcoholism, uh, but apparently there was a lot of hooing and ahhing about whether it was effective or not. Hmm. Um, um, and it was used, it was originally touted as an anabolic agent for, for bodybuilding, but there's never been any proof of an anabolic action of GHB, just the the, the slow wave sleep. Yeah, no, uh, what's his name? Uh, John Romano had talked about this. He said that although it does uh, increase deep sleep, which would allow you to produce more growth hormone. It also greatly increases cortisol. So if you have a spike in those stress hormones, it's going to kind of cancel it out. Mm. I'm not aware of the cortisol. I'm not saying it's not true. I just, it's not something I've, I've always known it has a sleep aid and, and particularly nothing else from, from a performance point of view. Yeah. Uh, I must admit it came in handy sometimes. I imagine. That said, guys, we don't condone the use of this stuff. I told you my story about it before, didn't I? No. I I think some of our old school listeners probably have heard it. Uh, but we do have a lot of new people. Speaking of which, subscribe so you can hear our GHB story. I had a... Uh, I this is the a, corny episode this week. We seem to be incredibly corny this week. <laughs> we're not fighting as much. Did you notice that? Yeah, I just, gosh, we were told no. at that one time we should get along more. Uh, no, no, no. And somebody recently commented saying we were like the steroid version of the odd couple. It was a TV show <laughs> in the U.S. Yeah, I, I know. That, look, I probably know more about U.S. TV shows than you do, Mister. I never watched films <laughs> or TV ever. That is that is true. So I had a, a training partner. This was 2009. I was getting ready for a contest and uh, no clue, had no clue that he was using this stuff. All I knew is that uh, some days we would get together to train and he was he was like he wasn't as like connected to me. Like we weren't talking as much uh, like we didn't not that we were talking a lot during our workouts, but like our our interaction was just different. Like he just was like in his own little world, I should say. And one day I came up there to do my AM fasted cardio. We weren't even planning on training and he was a uh, a personal trainer at this gym. And this was one of those 24 hour jobs where you had to have a key fob to get in. And so there was no manager on staff there or anything. He was just there training a client. And he came up and talked to me for a minute and he seemed kind of out of it. And he he was like, hey, can we, can we train an hour later today? That's all he said to me. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And, uh, you know, he worked out with his client. Client left and she didn't seem to, she like kind of, when she left, she seemed like she was out of sorts. And then he went and sat in his office, in in the office. And I go to, to see how, you know, just say hi or whatever before I leave. And he was like babbling, like he made no sense. I did not think the dude was on drugs. I was like, oh shit, he's having a stroke. Like I literally <laughs> thought he was stroking out. Something's wrong. I know I shouldn't laugh. I know I shouldn't laugh about it, but 
something's wrong. His brain is disconnected. Things are not firing properly. He's having a stroke. So I leave him in the office. I close the door behind me. There's another trainer there. Uh, and this guy didn't like my friend at all. Like he didn't, he didn't like anybody. This other guy, he was kind of, he was a dick. Uh, I can't even remember his name. Rod, maybe he was a real rod. Uh, he's, he was like, yeah, he's on GHB. He's, he's, he's got a problem with it. And I was like, well, what should we do, dude? He seems like he's really fucked up. And at this point he passed out, he passed out and he was like unconscious and I'm thinking, like, holy shit, this guy was fucked up. He overdosed here. And he's, like, sitting in the chair, just, like, passed out. You, the guy was like, you got to call the cops. We, You know, this is, we got to get some sort of assistance for him. You know, call call emergency. So we did. Because I didn't know. Like, at this point, I'm like, this guy could be overdosing. He could be dying. If that were to happen, I can't have that on my conscious. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, oh, it can kill you. Yeah. Um, so this was like 6.30 in the morning, this, this, by the way. This is like early. Mm. And he was taking it. He would take it all day, I guess. So the cops, the the, the paramedics came. And uh, I let him in because that is a key fob thing. You know, there's nobody there. Mm. And uh, when I let him in, I, they, they said to me, they're like, is it a bald guy? Stocky bald guy? And I was like, yeah, you guys have been here once before. And they were like, once? It turned out this is the third time emergency had to come out for him. Uh, so unfortunately, he lost his job after that. We kind of parted ways because I was new to recovery at the time, and I didn't want to be around people using drugs. Uh, unfortunately, he also had alcohol issues, and he ended up dying um, just a few years ago. So that's my GHB story. Watch out, kids. Like many things in life, a little bit, not so bad. A lot, a problem. Yeah. And for me, like with my personality, a little bit. Apart from cake. A lot of cake is better. The more cake, the better. No, well, yes, more, more cake is better. That, that's the only one that breaks that rule is cake. All right. Well, listen, guys, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come back. We'll tackle all of your listener questions. <clears throat> I'm actually going hypoglycemic right now. <laughs> Why? My blood sugar is just fucked up. It's not like I was using insulin or anything. Uh, so on today's episode, Scott's going to die live in front of the camera. No, I'm not going to die. I'm just going to get real shaky and sweaty if I don't eat something. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, for making this all possible. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality, third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High-quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, TrueNutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. What do we got here? Let's start out with some, it looks like some PCT Clomid talk, or what is this? Thoughts on using HCG at the end of the cycle before starting PCT Clomid Novadex uh, using HCG within PCT. Versus using HCG with him. Right, I, I get what he's saying. So, AC, yeah, so HCG is part of PCT, but there is some logic around if you start HCG a little bit earlier. Yeah. So I think PCT is, is quite misunderstood by a lot of people in the sense of what the drugs are used for and why they're there. So the, one of the biggest issues post-cycle is restoration of lady cell integrity. HCG isn't used in particular to elevate natural testosterone levels, though it will have that effect. It, it is there to reinvigorate, to restore testicular mass and Leydig cell mass. And obviously you can, so Scally's always run his PCTs, basically finish cycle, start PCT. And a lot of people have been critical of that and said, well, no, because you've, you're still elevated. You are, but as your as your artificial testosterone declines in line with its half-life, you can still be increasing Leydig cell integrity so that you get a crossover point. Yeah. You know, 
so, suppression is not on off. Suppression is gradually. It's a sliding scale. You know, you don't go on gear and all of a sudden, boom, you're suppressed. Your, your, your body will sense elevated levels of hormones, and so it will start to reduce GnRH and FSH and LH accordingly. And, and for most people, you're talking maybe two, three, four weeks before they're suddenly fully suppressed in a cycle. Yeah. That, that can ha- happen in the reverse at the other end. So as artificial levels come down, you can start to invigorate your system. You can start to get your single process back up and running. You can start to recover your gladiac cell atrophy before all that exogenous test is out. Um, obviously, do it too early, and you're going to have an exogenous test still pushing down on the system, even though HCG is no longer being used. So the, there is a timing issue there, but I don't think really there's much benefit to starting it, say, two weeks before an end of a cycle, but I do think it's not beyond the realms to start it immediately after you finish your cycle rather than waiting several weeks for levels to get really low. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually right with you on that one. Um, I, I would rather go that route. I'd rather take it toward the end of the cycle and up until PCT versus taking it with PCT. That would be my thought. I I, I just I, I I quite like Scully's approach and, and it, it makes a lot of sense to me and I know there's been a growing trend of recent for for letting all the esters clear before you even attempt to look at HCG or a PCT. Now to me that just gives you periods of time where you are unnecessarily low and you yeah. don't need to be. You can overlap, you know, and, and I've I've, I've I've never really had an issue with somebody recovering by overlapping over not recovering at all. If people don't recover, they generally don't recover full stop because they've just fucked it. Yeah. Um, keeping PCTs too short, yeah, okay, that that can you do need enough time to let things get up and running, and you need to take an account to where you are. I mean, if you're in five grams of gear, you're not starting your PCT the next day. You know, you're going to have to let things drop down. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you're on a gram, that, yeah, it's quite realistic to exp- you know to have an overlap at the end without be- causing any problems. And the, the more seamless that can be, the the the, the less traumatic it's going to be for you from an emotions point of view. Yeah, yeah. The quicker you can hopefully bounce back too. <clears throat> I'll move on here. We have one about um, DHT blockers. Let's see. Have either of you seen different less or less side effects of drugs like nandrolone and boldenon when guys are on uh, DHT blockers? How big of a difference do metabolites make? I don't know. I can tell you this, Um, man. I haven't. if you use, say, finasteride with DECA, the DECA will not break down. Therefore, instead of dihydronandrolone hitting your scalp, it would be the DECA directly. That mm-hmm. said, the question I... So, of course, if you're using DECA, you're most likely using TEST. So you're blocking, you're blocking the TEST conversion to DHT. That's going to help your scalp, right? I I've wondered what's mm-hmm. more detrimental, uh, DHT hitting your scalp or unconverted DECA hitting your scalp? Because I still feel like DECA could be less, you know, you know you're not going to get the dihydronandrolone hitting your scalp, but you would get the DHT hitting your scalp. I, I almost wonder which which would be worse if you're in that situation. I would suspect that if you were running tests and, and, and DECA together, that you would probably actually be better allowing the DHT because you'd be better allowing the DHN conversion because the DHN is probably going to supersede the DHT to a large extent. That That's what I've up. wondered. You think so? So you think the DHN would uh, be... I think the DHN would, and obviously it's got a weaker... Even though it binds, it, it's, um, it's, it's much weaker as a signal format than, than DHT is. Okay. I know there's I know there's some studies out there showing long term five uh, alpha reductase inhibitor use has permanently reduced five alpha reductase. So uh, 
there are documented cases and and growing evidence as well, I believe, of like finasteride and duracide, um permanently fucking up your five AR, which means you've got ED for the rest of your days because you just don't make enough DHT anymore, and you're going to mm. need to use DHT as a direct derivative from that point onwards. Hmm. I'm definitely more of a fan of using a topical DHT block yes. rather than using a system wide. That's what I've been doing. Um, that's that's my jam, man. That's what I'm doing right now. Uh, but I don't know. I've never seen any evidence as to directly how impacting that is on growth. And, and I think the problem is there because there's so many variables involved. You can't repeat the experiment and get everything exactly right again. Yeah. I I do know a couple of people that I've ended up having to work with who have been quite keen on, on obviously, using um, Finistride. And they have had other issues in regards to how they feel and, and sex drive and things like that. But to say there's an impact on muscle growth is, you would say in theory there would be, but in reality I'm not convinced it carries over that much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I like the topical finasteride. I, zero side effects from that, you know. It, mm. You're not getting it systemically through your body. And, I mean, I'm not using DECA, so I don't really worry about that conversion. All right. Your picture is really clear right now. Why is, why is that? What did you do? I don't know. Probably daughter's not on the internet anymore. Oh yeah, she's probably downloading shit. Does she? And she games, doesn't she? She does game. Yeah, yeah. She's taking all our bandwidth. Um, What kind of cycles? Okay, we got a few questions about this for some reason today. Uh, World's strongest man competitors. What kind of cycles would they take? Uh, The strong men never really talk about PED use, and I've always wondered. I've seen firsthand a very broad spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not gonna obviously I'm not gonna name names, but uh, I know of some current and some past, and they've been literally both ends of the spectrum. So guys banging in grams and grams of gear, yeah, uh, as opposed to guys taking very very little, to be honest. Um, and, and there doesn't seem to be, and he's right though, it, it does seem to be something, particularly within the pro levels or the, the more developed levels of strongman competition, where gear seems to be, I won't say a taboo subject, but, but doesn't seem to be as, definitely not as knowledgeable within the strongman community about gear use. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, but there does seem to be this very broad spectrum of approach to what steroids they use. And, and I've, I've spoke to, a few guys, and I believe they're being quite honest and open with me when they've discussed what they've been using, and some have been pleasantly surprised at how little they use, and then really? some have been, have been quite, you know, it doesn't surprise me about how much they use. And like I say, I don't want to drop any names, but I do know a couple of ex and current competing guys that I know hammer hard. Yeah. But then again, we've, we've got the same with bodybuilders, haven't we? I mean, we, 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 know, we know bodybuilders that are doing men's physique and running three gram of gear. Sure, um, You know, so, and then I know pros that run next to McCall. So I, I don't think there's, there's any hard and fast single approach. Yeah, I, observationally, it seems to be that the big static lifters are the guys running the bigger doses and the more mobile athletes are the guys running the slightly lower ones, though. Hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, we can kind of compare powerlifting, I think, to strongman. And we did get a question related asking us uh, what would be a good powerlifting cycle for an off-season powerlifter. Um but I, I, I almost feel like there would be some some overlap there. I do, I do think, you know what, with Strongman, you're getting a lot more endurance. You know, not only do you have to lift something heavy, but you may have to carry it 100 feet, you know, or whatever. And I mm. can imagine that too much fluid, like lower back and calf pumps, could be a, a, a limiting factor for those guys. Versus if your goal is to just to do one rep, I imagine, like, you know, in powerlifting, 
I imagine there fluid isn't going to be as big of a factor. A strong men, well, they're big guys and they look similar. They've got, they have to be more athletic. I would have said an obvious one is Tren because Tren we know is a good strength drug, but we also know it's impacting the, on the cardiovascular system and, 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 you know, your CV capability. And as a result, it may not be the best drug for a strongman because yeah. they're trying to run. Yeah. Whereas, you know, other drugs um, may, be, may be more beneficial. So, um, but it is, it is something you don't see. I think it's an area where, as a sport, there could do with being some more open discussion about the cycles that people are using and, and their effects of how they find those cycles. It doesn't seem to be one that's as freely and openly discussed. There seems to still be quite a lot of reservedness about people opening up to what they're really doing when it comes to strongman. I agree. I agree. I mean, it is a small, tight-knit community, and they they remind me of bodybuilding, like, Ten, the way they approach the media reminds me of bodybuilding 10, 15 years ago, you know, where mm. it was more like more of an untouchable athlete type thing where they're going to talk to you all about their nutrition and, you know, show you some training stuff, but they're not going to get into talking about the specifics. But you don't see that that much either, really, about, about strong men discussing nutrition. Um, I, I see mean, obviously those, it seems to be moving more that way now. It seems to be, but you know, about five years, and it was they just ate pies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, is, but but there seems to be much more of an understanding of the impacts of nutrition on their performance, and therefore they're getting and strongmen are tending to get a little bit leaner in general. You yeah, know, they, 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 they tend to carry a little bit less body fat these days and be a little bit more athletic. And and, yeah. and I think as a sport, the elements that are well established in bodybuilding and now starting to establish themselves in, in strongman much more as well in regards to, you know, diet and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've talked to, um, a, the coach of a very big name, strongman. obviously I can't say his name. Um, but I will say he's from the U S and that everybody would know who he is. And, uh, I can tell you that the doses were, were higher than what I would use or what I would suggest somebody to use. Um, but nothing I hadn't heard from a national level competitor. Well, you got to remember as well, these guys in general are, are much bigger. Sure. 300 pounds plus, you know, absolutely. I mean, you know, a six foot three short for a strong man, isn't it? You know, most of them are six, five, six, seven, six, eight, you know, touching into the, even the fucking seven foot at some point. So, uh, by the way, Tom Stoltman, you are a legend, sir. I will say no more on that. Yeah? Where did that come yeah. from? You, I can't say because it might be a bit of a spoiler. So. Oh, okay. Okay. So let me ask you this before we move on. Um, if you were to put together a cycle for a strong man, what would it look like just for fun? Drugs. Did you just get on, on your of phone? Course. Did you just get on your phone? Um, you? you realize I there's did, thousands yeah. of people watching this right now, Dave. I know, and I'm just sending you a message. Oh. Oh, so we're going to so have a private just, conversation. Right. Yes, it's there. So we can talk behind the viewers' backs now. Oh. Right. No, um, it would vary depending on the individual. It would also vary depending on their health, their level of development, and such like. Um, the usual staples, to be honest. I mean, you're probably looking at a test. You're only looking at a bit of Decker in there, though it may not be the main compound. Uh, and it would, depending on where they are with blood levels, maybe a touch of EQ, um, depending on how well they can manage their their conditioning and that you know that that side of things um yeah. but the 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 impact on joints and tendons is much much higher in strongman because you've got much more violent movements you've got much more repetitive of violent movements you know i mean they don't approach lifts like sack throws and barrel throws generally they are you know 
Uh, and so, you know, Decker becomes very, very popular on that point of view to try and help with some tendon integrity and, and keep information levels down and those sort of things. So that would be my two bases, and then off that would depend on where they are and where we need to go. Yeah. Okay. I just realized we still had a bunch of questions left here, so I'll blow through them here. Um, hey, Dave, uh, let's see. Hey, Dave, for the next episode, maybe someone are basically what he's asking about is getting a girl pregnant while on trend. Is that something to worry about? Oh, I think he's asking if he were to get a girl pregnant while on trend, would that cause health issues for the baby? Uh, I do believe, I genuinely believe, and I've been ridiculed for this by a few people in the past, but I, there is some evidence in cancer research to suggest. I do believe that if you are on a balance, even as the paternal, that there is the potential to influence the DNA expression for the child. Hmm. Uh, my understanding would be that it's not necessarily a negative. You know, they're not going to be born with four heads and 23 toes. Um, that's only if they come from Mississippi. No, sorry. Um, Watch it. They, uh, <laughs> Watch well, it. I'm trying to be international here. Um, <laughs> all right, Bradford. Um, no, <clears throat> um, that would, would it, it's more a case of, Elevated testosterone levels or elevated testosterone that could affect um, DNA expression would suggest that there's a potential of increased intelligence. Huh, okay. Um, now, that can be positive or negative because if you have a child who is intelligent and requires greater stimulation, if that's not met, then that will usually represent indestructive behavior of some form. Yeah. Uh, so, and I've had conversations with people who admitted usage and, and they've, they've sort of suggested that anecdotally there could be some evidence to support this, that there is an impact. Um, but, um, I still believe it's there. Uh, and when people say, well, how can it be? Well, when you look at, um, epigenomics and, and the fact that environmental factors can influence DNA expression, i.e. temperature or lack of food and stuff like that, can actually affect the DNA expression of the paternal sperm, then I don't see why being on anabolics would be any different. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about... Um... But, but I don't think it's a mutated case of, of problems, you know what I mean? But I do think there may be changes in expression. Just, but if you can, don't, don't, just don't, we don't need more kids in this world right now, Dave. You know what I'm saying? Just ride your... Hey, if you want kids, I'll eat mine. They're free. You can have them. <laughs> um, okay. I find that I never really grow or see much strength gains unless I get around 18% body fat. Then I start to see progress weekly on my lifts and physique. Do you think that my body, that my body... For my body, it's optimal to have higher body fat. Without knowing diet, cycle, seeing how somebody is with their training, it's very difficult to say. I would say this. I would say that uh, a lot of people can grow. Like if this was the case you have to be 18% plus you would be a very rare person that this is mm. not, this would not be common. I, I would also potentially without actually insulting anybody, but uh, are you mistaking size increases for muscle mass rather than it may be that you grow at the same rate. It's just that because your body fat percentage is higher, your overall mass increase is greater. Well, he, I see what uh, you're saying. He does say progress weekly on his lifts. Yeah, but all things being equal, the bigger you are, the stronger you're going to be to an extent. That's true. To an, yeah, uh, to an extent. I mean, I always found that if I started to stall out on gym progression, if I did up the calories, I would get an increase in strength, but I would get an increase in body fat. It didn't actually mean I was growing more muscle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I, I did find strength did correlate to calorie increases to some extent. It wasn't obviously completely linear and happened every time, but to some extent. I can't count how many times I've I've started working with somebody, put them on a clean diet, maybe that's even a fat loss diet, and the first week they say, oh my gosh, I'm getting stronger. And it had to do with the choices of foods that we used and the timing, you know? Yeah, reduction in information from bad foods, better absorption yep. of quality nutrition. You, you know, if you try and try and run an engine through a dirty fuel filter, it's not going to filter. Clean that filter out and put fresh fuel through it, and you, you're going to be a lot better performance. Yeah, yeah, I would say that he would be very rare if this was the case. Mm. All right, what else do we got here? Um, Get rid of this one for the next show. I was thinking of taking Anivar and Winstrel in a cut. The idea is to counteract the effects of Winstrel on the joints and lower the cost of the cycle. What do you think? Uh, the cost being not not spending as much on Anivar. I saw your face there. He w so he would replace some of the Anivar with Winstrel, so it would cost less to use more Winstrel. But then also reduce the joint issues because he'd be using less Winstrel because he's got some Anivar in there. I see what he means. Uh, the alternative is simply Winstrel. Uh, both are pharmaceuticals, but VAR costs literally five times as much. I appreciate everything you do for us, Scott, and Christmas Cabbage. So he wasn't <laughs> talking about – I'm just ignoring you because just – I just – in a hope that if I do eventually you'll go away. I'll leave. Uh, I'll leave right yeah. now. See ya. You've already left once. <laughs> you already walked out halfway through the show because you wanted to get something to eat. That was nobody knew about that, Dave. That was that was on, on our break. That was on our commercial break. For rain energy um, drinks. Um I um I originally thought what he was saying was he was using the two compounds because the effects of the compounds would counteract each other in the sense of the low <laughs> progesterone from Winstrol and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, eh? Um, Wait, you were like, what? Yeah, I, I don't see it as being an issue. Um, I mean, if, if it's cost prohibitive, then obviously – Mixing the two together, you're not going to get as much joint impression from, from the Winstrel because you're not taking as much. You're not spending as much on Anavar because you're not taking as much, and they're still both two quite well-matched DHT drugs from a point of view of the value. So yeah, yeah. I don't see an issue with it, but what dosing would be would be a bit of trial and error, I suppose, unfortunately. I never tried this with a client or myself before. And then um, I guess it was a few years back, around 2018, I uh, worked with a guy who had a prescription, um, and it was a tablet that was mixed, 25 milligrams of Anivar, uh, 25 milligrams of Winstrel. And that's what his doctor gave him. His doctor also gives him IGF and CJC and IPAM. He's a good doctor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, so I was like, well, you know, I've never really done that before, but let's give it a run. And we did. And we ran it for like the last six to eight weeks of his contest prep. And uh, he looked good. He looked fine. You know, it, it, it was he was I mean, it all comes down to what diet and, you know, getting him in shape. But with those things in check, I think you can get just as rip on that combo as you could on one or the other. Really? Yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't see. I'm sat here trying to think, is there any real reason why not? And I, I, I'm not coming up with one. Ooh, we just got a good question from Lauren here. I this saw is, it. It's a tough one. Lauren says, uh, what's the best way for a female to manage anivar cycles around multiple shows? And this is the tough part, with a few weeks to a month between. I would, though it may sound unnecessary, I would drop it out as often as you can. Yeah. Um, so for argument's sake, you finish the show, you've got another one in three weeks, stop taking it for a week, and then jump back in. Um, even a few days is, is going to reduce the overall impact and toxicities and stresses from the drug that you're continually using. So 
I do this with with powerlifters when they've, they've got multiple peaks and qualifiers in comp because we're having generally with a powerlifter you're going to be androgens quite high for a comp peak. Yeah. Um, because you want to maximize the strength relations there. So as soon as we can, we'll drop everything that, that's got any real stress impact out. Even if it's just a week or 10 days, you know, just to, to try and keep the overall impact on, on the body and the overall fatigue on the body as low as possible. Yeah. Uh, and though, though it might sound a bit odd, it, there's nothing wrong with coming off the back of, right, done a show drop everything for a week and then jump back on because I'm going to compete again in two weeks time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't with, think a, with an oral only, with an oral only, you're going to get clearance there with an injectable. You won't, but what you will get is a reduction in the stress on your body. I think another factor to look at, and I agree with all of that. I think another factor to look at is when you start. So let's say hmm. you have a show and then after that show, you have another show four weeks after that, and then another show two weeks after that. I think that you could definitely take, because she did say a few weeks to a month apart, I would start the gear later in the prep instead of starting, and I'd do this with anybody. Like if I have somebody who's doing a, a, a national qualifier and then a national show, and the national show is four weeks after the qualifier, I might wait to start all the gear a few weeks later than I would have. So, I mean, Anavar kicks in quickly, assuming you're going to be able to get in shape and everything. Let's say in, normally you would start at eight weeks out, let's say, before the contest. Maybe I would start it five weeks out before the first contest. And then that way you, you do have a smaller, you know, you, you, you could run it longer. Then if you have a show that's two weeks after the first one, you could keep running it all the way through that. Because you've only been on it now for, you know, whatever, seven weeks, eight weeks at that point, right? The other factor to consider would be what would be the most important show to you out of the catalog of shows that you're doing. Because if, if the first one is a bit of a just suck it and see, you know, I want to play around with, with my pre-show load or whatever it is, yeah, then obviously you can be a bit more flexible in the way your dosings are and how you're running it. So you focus on the shows that are most important to you about the shows that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, that is a good one for sure. Um, okay, here we go. We got maybe one more here. You brought up Ooh, the, big one. the low dose. This is Barry. Barry hat. Barry is very prolific with his comments. Thank you for always commenting, Barry. We appreciate having you here. Sometimes he he'll write a comment because he does voice to text, and it'll be like eighteen paragraphs long. <laughs> Because he's just talking. It's not like he has to really type. Okay. Uh, you brought up low-dose test that seems to be happening now. Um, we talked about that on the last show, actually. So another channel, uh, Leo and Longevity, they spoke about it, too. And for whatever reason, guys seem to be using 150 to 200 milligrams legitimate TRT dose. So if your testosterone is good anyway, uh, why would you just throw 200 in? It makes perfect sense to go to 300 or maybe even 500 uh, for the time for the first time. Uh, you know you just go uh, you know you just go on your TRT or slightly above if you'll get results. Uh, but I can see where he's going with this. Uh, what is your opinion on uh, Anybody is. Uh, I get what it's this. right. So, do you agree? Very low dose first. Yeah. I, I guess what he's saying is very low dose first cycles. What's the point if you're jumping on something that's only above, just above TRT? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that? Two, two right. So the, the first thing I think, and I have quite strong feelings about this. Two, TRT is not 150. TRT is not 200. TRT is the dose it requires to keep you within the normal ranges. For most people, that's probably going to be actually quite a bit lower than they think. 60 mig twice a week will get most people in the range, but there are exceptions. Some people have a high, high rate of metabolism, and some people do need more frequent injections or do need higher dosing. Sure. But just because a doctor gives you 200 or 250 mig does not mean it's legit TRT. It just means that doctor is willing to give you more than you need. Uh, the only way to legitimize your TRT is to have tests that back up that your levels are in range when you're in the doses you're running. Hmm. So that's the first thing. 
However, I do get that uh, <clears throat> if you legitimately need 150 milligrams a week to, to maintain normal range within your, your, your testosterone levels, then running 200, yeah, it, it's going to do very little else. Um, but having said that, most people that I've ever seen that have run sort of 250 and 300 mg doses as a first cycle have responded very well for the simple reason that 300 mg will generally put you at three times what your upper limit is. <laughs> you'll be, yeah, you'll do well with it. Yeah, so it's, you can't base this dosing on what you think TRT should be because TRT should be in relation to where your test levels sit. Uh, and having said that, for most people, 250 to 300 mg is enough to make them substantially above range. Would um, you do that for uh, your site for your first cycle, though? I think for uh, what I agree that going on, I mean, unless you, if you've got low testosterone, so you're in the, the low teens, 10, 11, 12, and you take a first cycle of 200 mg, you're going to get progress out of that. You're going to grow some muscle tissue and you're going to lose some fat. Is it going to be huge? No, but you are going to get progress out of that because you've been low previously. Sure. If you're healthy and you're in the 20s, then, then I yes, it is pointless to, to replace a healthy level of, of, of an average of, say, 22, 21 NMO with, with um, 150 mega test. It's completely fucking pointless. Um, but I would say that a first cycle would, would start around, you know, at a push 250, but more likely 300 to 400 milligrams. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go even to five on a first cycle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd go up to size five for a first cycle as well. Uh, where I would look more lower dose tests is when I'm using a secondary compound. Sure. So yeah. I might run 200 mega tests, but with something else. Yeah. But as a single single compound test only, I would have said the lowest you would see an effective improvement that's worthwhile for the the negatives employed with shutting yourself down would be around 250, maybe 300 meg. And I probably wouldn't go much above five. Yeah. I found, you, you, you know, you mentioned uh, some people could handle lower doses or you know, do well with lower doses if they already had lower tests to begin with. Um, mm -hmm. I do agree with that. And one thing I'll say is I've noticed people that kind of have like weird shit going on. Like you take a guy who had low test in his 20s, his early 30s, and there's no reason like he wasn't abusing steroids and stuff. Yeah. If you have some weird shit going on, you might not even do well with 500. Like you may have some negative side effects from it, you know, and sometimes that could be a little too aggressive. If you're somebody who's already got high estrogen, you know, and you're not on test, it's like somebody like that, they, they might have problems, you know. They might do better. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you've lived your life at 12 NMO, your your whole, the way you operate is it's been constructed around the fact that you have low test. So for you, proportionally, 500 is very similar to someone who's lived their life in the 20s hmm. of running at 650. Yeah. You know, it, there's, 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 there's a big change in, in your chemistry by putting that amount of testosterone in. Um, the, the, the big problem... It's particularly TRT, people base it around, oh, well, you need to run this, you need to run. No, you need to run what the fuck fits your hormones. Yeah. You know, you don't need to run 250 or, or 150 or 200 or 125 or 170. You run what gives you the results you want for your hormone range. That's how TRT should be structured. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, that's all we got, Dave. That's good because I'm desperately in need of a piss. What's Christmas cabbage doing for the rest of the day? Christmas cabbage is now going to fuck off because I've got a consult to do with somebody. Um, okay. And and then I believe he's in the hot tub later with a couple of sprouts. We had a listener who was like, hey, I work with Dave. Uh, and he showed me a text from you. And he was like, do you abuse your clients like Dave abuses his clients? Yes. And you will be you will be referring to a gentleman known as, as Steve Hunter. Yeah, yeah, he's ginger. <laughs> yeah, that's who it was. 
That's who it was. <laughs> he said, what do you think my blood work's going to say? And Dave was like, your blood work's going to say that you're a ginger. Yeah, because he is ginger. I'm red. He's ginger. I, he can't help that. He's disadvantages. What can I say? You know, it's, nature's being cruel to him, poor lad. All right. Well, listen, guys, if you have some questions for the next show, comment down below. We're working on uh, we're going to try to set something up with uh, Rick Collins, uh, the steroid expert lawyer. Uh, I would love to get you guys together. I think that'd be a fun I, I'm matchup. really actually quite excited about this. I'm really looking forward to, to, to potentially talking to Rick. Yeah. He just texted me. Um, We're going to talk tomorrow to, to see if we can figure something out, cool. get some topics together and see if we can set that up for next week. Sort your shit, Scott. Watch it, Dave. Well, there's there's not much point me and Christmas having you if you can't bring what you need to bring, is there? I mean, you know, you piss off halfway through a show to go eat something. You you fail to die on the show when you actually promised us earlier on you would do. And, you know, it just constant letdown. So you're going to have to bring something to the table now. All right. With that said... Guys, go to crosslands.org.uk. You can you can find Dave over there. And, of course, you can uh, drop me a text or, excuse me, drop me an email. How about that? McNallyDiets at gmail.com. And, uh, Dave, we're going to say something else blasphemous. Yeah. This, this show has been brought to you by Lamborghini. <laughs> That's right. We'll see you guys. <laughs> <laughs>